Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Again, is he your everything this morning? We just sang those words. Worship doesn't end with singing. We continue to worship the Lord through our giving. As the ushers are preparing to receive our offering this morning, I have these requests to bring before the Lord. Anna Durovic fell and injured her recently replaced hip, causing deep bruising. Maurice Graves is experiencing a high level of pain. Eileen Mallow's brother John is hospitalized with multiple health concerns in ICU. And Jerry Marino is asking prayer for his friend Bill Dombrowski, who lost his wife Cindy this past week. And I also want to continue to bring up Gail, Lynn's wife, who's going through a really hard battle with cancer. We're going to pray for all of these as well as our offering this morning. Lord Jesus, you do move mountains. Lord, it is by faith in the power of Jesus Christ that we can say and we believe that you move mountains in our life. There is no mountain too big for you. And Lord, we lift up all of these that we have mentioned before your throne of grace. And we are asking, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is able to touch each of these bodies. And Lord, we are asking in that name of Jesus that you would bring healing, that you would restore, Lord, that you would bring peace, Lord, that you would give wisdom to all doctors involved in these lives. Lord, that each person we know that you are with them. Lord, that you would give them a testimony of your grace and healing. And Lord, we pray for every person in this congregation today that may be speaking a quiet request to your throne. Lord, that you would hear, that you would answer prayers, Lord. And Lord, that they would know that you are with them. Lord, we know that your ways are not our ways. You are God and there is no other. Lord, you are able to do all things. Lord, we are asking, God, that you would move those mountains in our lives to your glory. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege to give to you today. God, as a token of worship to you, Lord, we give out of what you've given to us. Lord, bless this offering for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today is a special day of celebration. Later in the service, as we heard, we will be confirming eight people who have completed our six-month catechism class. Seven are from our spring class, and one from our fall class who was not able to make that confirmation. That is Craig Belknap. Praise the Lord, he is here today. <laughs> Craig had perfect attendance in his class as well. <laughs> Until confirmation. <laughs> God is good. You are here. <laughs> this group is sitting right up in front here today, and they are really excited 
I would like to say congratulations to all of you. Great accomplishment in uh, completing that six-month class that you thought was going to be so long when you started, and it went by fast. And we just look forward to what the Lord is going to do in each of your lives. And if you could all please stand and let the congregation see who you are. Great group of people. Thank you. Like our fall class, this class was blessed to have dedicated, faithful teachers who really are students of the word, who love the Lord, and who really have a dedication to see their students grow in the Lord. And they just, they love their students, and that is so evident. They presented lessons week after week in such a way that the students learned the Word of God and also how to live out that Word in their lives to become those disciples that the Lord would have them to be. Those teachers are Dale and Angela Flowers. They are also elders in our church. And Dale and Angela, could you please stand? Assisting Dale and Angela as small group leaders were Mike and Belinda Spencer, and if they could please stand. It's wonderful to have such great servants in the church. Thank you to all of you, and also I want to thank all of you who participated in helping out with the music in the class. This class has completed 24 weeks of foundational study and by faith have acknowledged Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen to that, right? <laughs> I'm going to say, yes. <laughs> in scripture, we do find that after a time of learning, believers were confirmed in order that they would be established, strengthened, and grounded in the faith. So today we're going to look forward to confirming these believers through prayer and through the laying on of hands. Each of these students were impacted in some way through the catechism class. And this morning we're going to have an opportunity to hear from some of the students as well as the teachers. So we're going to take a couple moments and uh, listen to a video and hear what they have to say. I can see how they're growing and then as we get into baptism and things like that and I see their growth and their repentance and I see their hearts and how they've been renewed that is a very exciting part for me and I feel like that is really a blessing for me to have that really small part in what the Lord is doing in their lives. Each week after the lesson we would have different activities we would do. We had a lot of discussion. We were able to pray with each other and I think through those types of things the students bonded together. They got to know each other. They found that they were in similar situations and could relate to each other. Um, I've gotten, gotten to know them better. Because yeah, obviously when I first got in, I didn't really know anybody, but getting a better idea of everybody's backgrounds, what they've been through, and 
uh, where they're at spiritually. Um, I've grown a lot in his word and I've had like gotten a better understanding. I think like I've taken it before and I think like I like learned a lot of things that I didn't know before that like kind of like surprised me. I know that they teach in catechism about living uh, living repentance versus when I got into catechism I knew about like living as a Christian but I really didn't understand it the way that I, I grew to understanding through catechism. Um, you know, living a life of worship versus living, still living like a, a secular life, but claiming Christ. So it kind of helped me to understand the difference between being a witness and being a false witness. So I want to make sure I wanted to be a witness and make sure that my life, even according to my character, matched up to who I said or claiming was or, or claimed that I'm, I am so as a Christian. So that was one big thing I learned from Dale and Angela was, and of course everyone there, but making sure that our lives, even in privacy, match up to Christ. I like all the, the different lessons. Um, Meaningful, I like coming together, end of class, prayer time when we pray for different needs. You feel that bond there, and you feel the, the Holy Spirit ministering through one another during prayer time. It taught me a lot of, like I said, the uh, basics of, uh, of, the, of the Christianity so that I can apply it better to other people. Um, it taught me more the fundamentals of the rules and how to apply it. And uh, I thought I knew more than I did when I, before I got here. And then as I started to go through the classes and the courses, um, it helped me to actually understand to, so I could actually speak the word properly to other people. Instead of what I thought was right, it showed me what was really right. And, I enjoyed that, and that was really rewarding for me, so. Oh, wow. Um, I would definitely recommend this class for, for anyone who wants to really know the Lord and build a relationship with Him, because again, like I said, just breaking things down and, and teaching and learning um, an easier way to understand the Lord's Word um, it really helped me, and I really think that it would help others, too, because sometimes, especially when you first start reading it, um, it can be confusing and, and hard to understand. So I think this class really helps with that. Those were some great, great words to hear, class. Thank you so much. And y'all look fantastic. You look great. I'm glad you're here this morning. This is going to be an excellent morning. I'm looking forward to our prayer time. But before we get there, uh, I have some thoughts I'd like to share this morning about really why this is a big deal, what this class did, but not just for them, but for all of us. How many here uh, could raise your hand and say you've been through one of uh, Bethesda's catechism classes? 
Oh, that's a, that's a great group of people. That's three-quarters of the room here had their hands up. And I want to speak to you a little bit about what's accomplished in this study, but also as you move forward. We heard some, we heard some of these students testify. Uh, Mark was saying things like the word basics and fundamentals. And I heard a few times, well, I thought I knew, but I really learned. And that's a great thing. These, th- this shows uh, some humility. I didn't, you know, people saying, I didn't, I really didn't know everything like I thought I knew, and I learned things. And that's fantastic when you learn and you grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, these, uh, these words that we heard, like fundamentals and basics, they go to the root, they go to the base, they go to a word we uh, often use when we describe this class and this course of study that these students have been through. And uh, Pastor Julia was up here saying this to foundation, that this is foundational. We uh, often relate our catechism class to the foundation of a structure or a building. We say that it's the base, that it's, that it's necessary. And what does it mean then? What, is, what does it mean if I say this is foundational or it is the foundation? It, it means that this is the power and the, the strength of the footing, the underpinning, the support to uphold something greater. So development, growth, uh, advancement can occur. And isn't that the case with anything? Isn't that the case with any uh, teaching? Now, I don't know about your upbringing, but when I was a kid and I had uh, English class, we had to diagram sentences. Anyone remember sentence diagramming? You have to go through that. Now, when you had to diagram a sentence, did they start you out with a you know, compound sentence that had indirect objects and direct objects and predicate nouns and prepositional phrases? Or did they start you out with a simple sentence? Did they teach you the fundamentals? A sentence has a subject and a predicate. It has a noun and a verb. Well, we began there because that was the simplest diagram for a sentence. Yeah, you've got, you got your subject and your verb, or your subject and your predicate. And it's the same with uh, other courses of study, right? Mathematics. You don't begin with algebra and trigonometry and geometry and calculus. They don't just sit you, sit you down in math class and say, okay, uh, can you give me the derivative of this function? No. You start with your number line, and you learn your numbers. And then arithmetic, right? Addition and subtraction, multiplication, division. Then you remember long division and carrying, the, carrying things over and all of that. And then you can study the higher orders of mathematics. Then you can study algebra and calculus and geometry and uh, trigonometry. Why? Because you have a footing. You have a foundation. You have something that you can build on and advance from. This building can occur. So having a footing, having the basics, having the fundamentals, it really is a big deal. And Jesus used this type of imagery, this foundation imagery, when referring to his own teachings. 
And this is in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have a Bible this morning, you have your electronic device, your phone, your tablet, your paper Bible, open to Matthew chapter 5. And uh, actually chapter 7. Chapter 7, because I'm going to go all the way through 5 and 6 really quickly. And then later I'll be in the book of Hebrews if you want to put a little uh, thumbnail in there or a bookmark. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus began what's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And I know we've talked about the Sermon on the Mount many times. How does the Sermon on the Mount begin? It begins with the Beatitudes. Blessed are they, blessed are they. And so Jesus lists these, uh, these blessings. And then he talks about uh, matters of the heart. He talks about murder and adultery. And they're not just actions. He doesn't talk about just the actions. Jesus presents hey, these are matters of the heart. You, you know, if you think about these things, uh, there's the root of your sin. He talked about the sanctity of marriage, the significance of making an oath. He talks about dealing with your enemies and actually praying for your enemies. He talks about prayer and fasting. He teaches on God and money. He teaches about trust and worry. He talks about dealing with conflict with others and the way that you would uh, take care of such a conflict he talks about the way to eternal life. Now, these are all topics that Jesus addressed in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and then uh, Matthew chapter 7. It was like Jesus' very own catechism class. He's given these teachings. And he ends it talking about the foundation. In his conclusion, he presents this image of a foundation. And this is how Jesus concludes his teaching, which begins Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, with the Beatitudes, and it ends in Matthew chapter 7. And here's the conclusion. Here's what Jesus says. This is Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. It closes out the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. So here, Jesus presents all of this teaching, and at the end, he he speaks about the foundation. The foundation had to do with the learning or the way that Christ put it in the Scripture, whoever hears these sayings of mine, he taught. Did you hear them? Did you take them in? Did you absorb them? But that was only part of the foundation. That was only one part of it. He said, there's another part. Now put these sayings into practice. Hear what I say. Hear what I teach. Put it into practice. In other words, just do it. You've learned, now get moving. And he likens that to the building that's built on a rock. It's built on something solid. It's built on, on a strong footing, a structure that's going to withstand whatever comes its way, floods, storms, whatever comes, that building's going to stand. And then Jesus gives a contrast, which he often does. He gives a great contrast. The one who hears, eh, but he doesn't do it. Maybe he takes it in, but hey, that's for another day, another time. Maybe I'll do it one day. I don't know. 
That person's pictured as having a defective foundation. It isn't strong. It's like the house built in sand. No underpinning, no support. The water's going to come in. The storm's going to come in. The first stress that comes along, the, the structure falls. And Jesus says, great is its fall. So to Jesus, this foundation, it's a big deal. There's some meaning to it because it's the strength beneath the structure. It's the strength of the rock or it's the weakness of the sand. And that's why we view our catechism class, it's why we view this foundational teaching as vital, as important. It's our desire that we do our absolute best to offer development of a firm foundation. So I want to ask the class this morning, I want to ask all of you here, all of you here raised your hand and said, yes, I've, I've been through this course, or even if you didn't raise your hand, but you've, you've been through basics, and you know your fundamentals. I want to ask all of you this morning, is that the completion of your efforts? Are you done? Have you, have you reached the plateau? Are you at the high water mark? Are you saying, no, hey, okay, I've got this, and I can relax. And I hope, as you think about that, I hope your answer is absolutely not. No. No. Because there's more beyond getting a firm handle on the fundamentals. There's more beyond just having a foundation. And that is, it's even a bigger deal. Foundations are important, yes. They're critical. They're vital. They're essential. You can't build unless you have something to build on. But the image of the foundation, it implies something. It implies something more, doesn't it? It implies a building. Jesus mentions there's a house on the rock or there's a house on the sand. It's not just the footing or the structure or the foundation, but there's what's above it. We learn our alphabet and phonics and spelling so that we can move forward with reading and writing and even diagramming sentences. We learn to count our numbers. We learn addition and subtraction and such so that we can move forward with better concepts and deeper concepts. And it's this moving forward. It's this building. That's a big deal. So often I've witnessed people who have, they will complete a course like this and they've been enthusiastic. They have been focused. They have been committed but once they're complete, they feel, okay, hey, it's break time. I'm done. Whew. Good thing I got that over with. Now I'll just live my life. And then so often, I won't see that person anymore. I might see their face. They come, they, 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 get, they get this foundational instruction. And then I look and say, Where, what happened? And we've reached out to people and we've tried to make connection. And sometimes we'll connect. Say, hey, what, what happened? We discover, well, hey, life. Life's been a distraction. Now, things happen in life. Priorities change. Coming to church and continuing along gets sort of a, a, a second seat now. Moving forward and developing, developing a house that is built on a rock 
somehow now takes a, a back seat because of life's distractions. So there's this person then who's laid a great footing and foundation, and it, it was only a beginning. There's no building. So let's consider this idea. Let's consider this idea of construction and building and moving forward a little bit further. Let's consider the, the metaphor of construction in it all. Can you imagine life on just a foundation? What would that be like? You've got a slab or you've got a basement. You've got no roof over your head. You've got nothing to protect you from wind and rain and snow and the elements. And that's not good. You might, have a, you might have a solid, solid base, but you've got nothing over you. And what would a neighborhood be like if, if it were all just foundations? It'd be weird. I remember this story uh, my mom would tell. So it was probably about 19, end of the 50s, 1960. Interstate 94 was being constructed here through the east side. My family had a house in St. Clair Shores. They lived on a street called Rosedale. My father and mother, I know they picked the spot on the street because I-94 was planned to run parallel to Harper, right next to Harper Avenue. Well, when it got past 8 Mile, suddenly, I, you know how communities argue, fight. It made a big curve. It, it curved up to Beaconsfield. And as it curved and turned down through uh, the street called Rosedale, you know, my family's house was smack in the middle. So, hey... You know, the government's eminent domain and such. They had to move. But they didn't move just people then. They moved the entire house. They would lift up the houses off the foundations and carry them to a new location. Now, those folks would either stay in their own house or buy a new one. And my parents, my mother was uh, expecting child number seven. And uh, that would be the summer of 1961. And... My parents bought a lot. They bought a lot in another location. They hired a contractor. He dug a hole to put in the basement, and then he took their money and he left town. So they were kind of stuck. They didn't have a new house. They had to stay in their old one. And meanwhile, one by one, my mom would say, one by one, all the houses on the block disappeared. And it was nothing but foundations. Isn't that, it would be strange. It would be an eerie landscape. Grass, driveway, sidewalk, and all these basements. And she said, I was so nervous because I have crazy brothers and they were out there playing in the fields now that we're growing. And she thought, I was going to lose them in these basements. I was going to find them with bloody heads on the bottom of these basements because they were going to fall in because there was just basements all over the neighborhood. No homes, just foundations. So nothing there to, nothing there to, to protect a family, a class Today, you are at the culmination of setting your foundation as we pray over you uh, for uh, your faith to be rooted and grounded and confirmed. And I don't want you to be like a neighborhood of just foundations. I want you to move on. I want to encourage you to build today. And I want to encourage everyone in this room, if you've laid a foundation and you've kind of stalled out, don't stall out. You need a structure and you need to build. And any in this uh, sanctuary this morning, take that to heart. Have you been building? Class, I want you to build. Everyone in here, I want you to continue building. And think about it. Has, Has the construction of your faith, has it been stalled? Has it been distracted by 
by the cares of life? Has it been distracted by things that are pulling you away from where you should be focusing? It can happen. It's definitely not unusual. These things happen. The early church encountered distractions that took people away from building their lives on Christ and continuing along in their foundation. And that's this uh, passage I want to share with you from the book of Hebrews, the end of Hebrews chapter 5, the beginning of Hebrews 6. It, it speaks really to this idea that sometimes we can get distracted from continuing to build. Hebrews 5.12 says this, and I'm going to read through uh, verse 2 of chapter 6. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of the doctrines of baptism, of laying out of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So what is the writer of Hebrews saying here? The writer uses a little different metaphor about food. He says, you know, that those who are mature can handle solid food. If you haven't advanced, you're still, you're still, on, the, you're still on the milk. You're still on the, uh, the beginner's food. But then he, he moves into this idea of the foundations, too. The writer says, you've had time to grow. You've had time to advance, even to the point of becoming teachers. You've had that much time to become teachers and real discerners, using your spiritual senses. But you haven't done that. You haven't done that, and so you may have to go back and even revisit the basics. But there's encouragement and what is the encouragement? The encouragement then, it begins there in Hebrews 6, build on the foundation. Class, you've got this foundation. Church, church, you have this foundation. And the author of, of Hebrews encourages, build. Now build up. The, the author says, move on. Get beyond this foundation. Don't go back to it. If you can avoid that, let's move on. You've learned the power of prayer through the laying on of hands. You've learned the foundation of repentance and, and of faith and of baptism. You've learned the reality of the resurrection and that there's going to be a judgment. Now build on that. Build on your faith. Build on that foundation and move on onto perfection or maturity, which might be a better uh, representation of that word. What do we do? What do we do if we have only have this foundation established? Let me give you an example of a real structure, and then we can tie it in spiritually. In the Old Testament, in Ezra chapter 3, we read of the beginning of construction of the second temple in Jerusalem. Construction began as it rightly should. It began at the base. It began at the footing. The foundation of the temple was laid into place. When a foundation was laid... You can read about this in Ezra chapter 3. 
It was a great joy. This temple had been destroyed. It had been knocked down for 80 years and, or 70 years, and now they've come back to rebuild it. They lay the foundation. The people were rejoicing. There was a great shout. They praised the Lord because they said, the foundation of the house of the Lord has been laid. So it was a great time of celebration. That's why we're going to celebrate with these students today. They've laid a foundation. But what occurred in this what occurred in this situation where Israel was attempting to rebuild the second temple, adversity came. Distractions came. People in the surrounding regions, they didn't like the fact that the uh, Israelites had come back to town and now had started to build their temple. This temple was central to the religion of the nation. The, te the temple was something that brought the people together and strengthened, strengthened them. It was like the heart of the nation so the, the surrounding people saw this as power. If these people build this temple, it's going to empower them and embolden them and bring back their confidence. So the enemies of Israel said, we need to frustrate these efforts to build. And they did. And we can read about this then in the following chapter, Ezra chapter 4. I'll give you a couple of verses, verse 4 and 5. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building and they hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, the king of Persia, even unto the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So this frustration efforts came in, and they were lasting. They lasted through King Cyrus's reign. The remainder of Ezra chapter 4 describes in detail the efforts that all those around the, the nation all their efforts to halt the construction, halt the development in the building of this temple. And then at the close of the chapter, Ezra 4, it gives us this conclusion. Ezra 4.24, Thus the work of the house of God, which is set at Jerusalem, ceased. And it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Construction stopped, not just for a moment, not just for a little bit, it was over a decade. It was about 15 years that construction on this temple was, was stalled out. So there was just a foundation, no protection, no construction, no advancement, no growth for years. And then God dispatched a couple of prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, and he dispatched them to encourage the people to build. Don't stop with this thing, just a foundation. You need to make a structure. And the record of Haggai begins in the very first chapter, and he acknowledges there's the foundation, and Haggai minces no words. He describes what is it to just have a foundation. He says, the temple lies in ruins. And those are hard words to hear. You know, they went through all the effort to put down this foundation, but the structure lies in ruins. You've got a solid base, but there's more. There's more. Don't let this, don't let this structure stay in ruins. Haggai brought a word from God. He brought a word in uh, Haggai 1.7. It says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. 
Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. Now, this was the example of the brick and mortar temple, that God would take pleasure in it and be glorified. But we don't live in the days of the brick and mortar temple. The days of the brick and mortar temple are no more. The days of God dwelling in a man-made structure, they've transitioned. That was the old covenant. And we live in the new covenant. We live under the blood of Christ. We live in this new covenant where Jesus Christ came to earth. He took on the form of a man. He died on the cross for our sins. And he paid a way for us that we could be reconciled unto God. He resurrected from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And he sent us his Holy Spirit. And the word of the Lord under this new covenant is a little different than the word that Haggai brought. The word of the Lord under the new covenant, I'll bring you one from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Class, receive that word today. Church, receive that word today that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Don't remain just a foundation. Don't remain just a temple foundation. When Haggai the prophet saw that brick and mortar uh, temple was not built upon a foundation that was there, we can take his words and, and apply it to us in this flesh and blood temple that we are. What did he say? He said, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Build up this temple. Build it up that God may take pleasure in it and be glorified. It's not my intent to discourage anybody today. I'm aware that there are life's distractions that pull us away, and they're real. But we can confront them before they even become an issue in our life. We can confront them by building something strong, by building the house that even Jesus envisioned, that, hey, the storms come, and the rains come, and the floods come, and it stands strong because it's built on something solid. So we can be aware of those distractions, but build your temple. See the blessing in building your temple. Jesus said it's wise. He said it's wise to do these things. Build now. Build now and be prepared. Build the temple. Build your house. Make it a house of learning. Never stop being a student. Never be content with where you're at. Jesus said, learn these things. Hear these things. The wise person hears what I say and puts them into action. So be a house of learning. Make your temple a house of learning. Jesus' words were, come unto me, learn of me. Jesus is God. He's infinite knowledge. Can you learn infinite knowledge? Have you learned infinite knowledge? And if you can say, no, I haven't, then you have some room to grow. You have some room to build. This is a lifelong this is a lifelong commitment. It's a lifelong effort of building in Jesus Christ. Be a student. Be a student for life of Jesus. Grow in Jesus. That's a big deal. This is not a little deal. It never stops. Avail yourself to being at the feet of Jesus Christ and being his disciple and learn of him. This is why our church offers ministries of teaching so that you can build and grow as a disciple and learn more of Jesus Christ. Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday, Bible studies, classes, they focus, they give opportunities to build your foundation, to build up your temple. Make your temple a house of learning. Jesus also said words like this, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. You're the temple of God. You're the house of God. Is your temple a house of prayer? Build it to be a house 
of prayer. Class, build your temple to be a house of prayer. Church, build your temple to be a house of prayer. Be interactive with God. Talk to God. Plead with God. Praise God. Adore God. Build your relationship with him. Build your relationship with him by this spiritual interaction of prayer. Dear friends, it reads in the book of Jude, build yourself up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. May it be that you all be called a house of prayer. And we have opportunities for prayer too. Every Tuesday morning, we have a prayer meeting. The last Saturday of the month, you heard this morning, we have a prayer meeting. This Wednesday, we're going to have a special time of prayer, and we're going to focus in on the Holy Spirit. Make your house a house of prayer. Be the temple of God. Be a temple of prayer. And as you build, as you build in these ways, you're going to find fulfillment and excellent blessing. The Apostle Paul teaches that when we build our house and we build spiritually this temple that God has given us, the reward is an eternal blessing. He says, this earthly house, this flesh and blood is only temporary. But what you build, what you're building now in Jesus Christ and what you're building in, in, in this spiritual temple, it is eternal. And he calls it the house of God, an eternal house. That's what the apostle teaches. And as you build your life in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're building something eternal. The blessings of, of, of building this life in Christ, they are innumerable. I mean, we're strengthened. We're empowered against temptations. We're, we're given a strength to stay the course. We're connected to our creator. I could go on and on and on and never stop about the great, great blessings we have and, and growing in God and building in God. But I want to conclude this morning with what I consider the greatest blessing of building upon your foundation. Build your temple. Build your temple. What were the words that Haggai used about the brick-and-mortar temple, he said, that I may take pleasure, the word of God, that God may take pleasure in this temple and be glorified. Can you say that God's taken pleasure in your temple? What greater blessing could there be than for God to take pleasure in this, his temple, and be glorified through it? What greater blessing is there? I mean, as a child, what greater blessing is there for a child to have the approval and the love of their parent, a parent who delights in the child and a parent who sees their own self in that child's face? They see their, their, their character and their integrity that that parent is pouring into that child, coming through. What greater blessing is there for that child to have the approval and the love? I delight in you, my son or my daughter. You're a great blessing to me for who you're becoming as that parent pours themselves in. That's our Father in heaven. That's our Father. He wants to delight in us. He wants to delight in this temple and see us glorify him through it as we build ourselves up in him. Build your temple. Build your temple that he would take pleasure in your growth, your development, your advancement, that he'd be glorified. That's a big deal. It's truly, truly a big deal. And it's my encouragement. It's my encouragement for you, class, this morning. As you leave here today, as you move forward with every day of your life, that you will continually be students of the Lord Jesus Christ, that your house will be a house of learning, that this temple God gave you will be a temple of prayer, and it'll be your desire. It'll be your desire that God would delight in you he would take pleasure in you 
and you would glorify him. Class, I want to invite you to these altars so that we can pray over you and we can pray the prayer of faith and root you and ground you and establish you in your faith this morning. So if you would please make your way to these altars, we're going to pray. Each one of you, each one of you came to this class at a different, a different part, a different place in your walk with Jesus. Some of you may have known Jesus for a long time. Others, you're just, it's all brand new to you. Where you've taken time to say, I really want to look at these fundamentals. I really want to look at these basics. I want to get them down in my heart and in my life. And I want to be able to declare that my God is Jesus Christ. And I know you've learned about repentance and faith. And you've been baptized. And you declare that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And we want to pray over you this morning that this faith that you have developed over this past six months will become rock solid, that it'll be rooted and anchored in you. And we're going to ask elders to pray over you and that they would be channels of this blessing in you, that you would have this root. But class, I want to know what you believe. I want to know what your faith is. And then we're going to pray that that's the faith that's established, solid. So I'm going to ask you before we pray that you would turn to this congregation and declare your faith. And so many of you who raised your hands this morning, I know that you know this declaration. Declare it with this class this morning. Let's all say what we believe this morning. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Amen. Amen. Thank you, class. You can turn now back uh, to, the, to your altar. These are the, this, is, this is the fundamentals. That's the foundation of what you believe. Always keep that in your heart. Be ready to, to answer to anybody who asks you what you believe. You've got it, and you can state it. Now we're going to pray over you. I'm going to ask our elders in our presbytery, our elders uh, and ministers, if you'd come to the altars. And I want to invite all of you in the congregation as we pray that you would have hearts of prayer and you'd pray along with all of us. Class, would you please kneel? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, Lord God, we are just asking right now for a great blessing of your Holy Spirit to move upon each of these students, Lord. My God, as they have declared a faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, as they have taken time to learn 
the principles of the doctrines of Christ, God, that we pray, Lord, right now, that you would root this into their heart, God, that you would root it into their life, that you would anchor them in you, my God, that they would be like trees planted by the rivers of water, that the roots would go down deep, they would bring forth fruit in their season, that their leaf also should not wither. Whatever they do, God, whatever they do, may they do it unto you, and it prosper. Lord, do a work in each one of these spirits and souls today, God, by your mighty hand. Lord, I pray that they would ever look to you and your word to be their guide, to be their direction. Lord, my God, may it be that their house, their temple is founded upon the rock. And Lord, that the structure that they begin to build would be solid in you. Lord, that if any distraction of life would come their way, if any wind or storm would come to move upon their faith, to move upon this temple of faith that they're building, Lord, that they'd withstand it. Be it wind, water, floods, Lord, may the rock that's Jesus Christ ever hold them, Lord, ever envelop them, ever wrap around them, God, that they would stay strong in you. May it be that when those times of trial, tribulation come, their eyes would be focused upon Jesus Christ. And Lord, we trust you. Know that you're faithful and that you will be able to carry them through. Oh my God, I pray that these, these souls here would be builders, God, that from today on they would continue to be students of Jesus Christ, that their temples would be temples of prayer, that they'd be temples of learning, that they would want to absorb more and more of what you have to offer, my God. Holy Spirit, be with them. Holy Spirit, fill them all their days. Holy Spirit, guide them and direct them, Lord. And may they always be people that want to know more about you and be connected deeper with you, Lord. Take them through. Give them tangible, Lord, tangible signs of your love, your grace, and your mercy, and your growth, and your development in their life, Lord. And I pray you would use them, God, for the advancement of your kingdom. Expose their gifts and their talents, God. Make them discerners of your word and your truth, God, and use them as lights in wherever they would walk. God, that they would be witnesses to you, Lord. As we even heard this morning about living repentance, may they be people that live repentance and be witnesses of your light to all that they encounter, be it work, be it neighborhood, be it family, God, that your Holy Spirit give them the words to say and that they would trust you in it, Lord. God, I just pray that we would see the results from this class as they move forward in their life. Lord, bless it. Now bless our prayers, God. Seal it by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray, God. And as this work is done, we give you the honor, we give you the praise, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.